Welcome to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion. Every other Wednesday, Adrian, your host, talks to key players in the fashion industry to discover new products and understand the challenges behind offering more responsible fashion and learn the solution available today. This podcast is brought to you by Première Vision, the leading event organizer for fashion professionals. To find out more, go to www.premiervision.com. Discover and enjoy. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast. Today, I am with Isaac Nicholson. He's the CEO and co-founder of Circular System. Hello, Isaac. Hello. Uh, to begin with, could you please introduce yourself and your company? Yeah, I'm Isaac Nicholson, uh, CEO of Circular Systems, a social purpose company based in Los Angeles, California. All right. What, what does it mean, social purpose-based company? Uh, well, for us, it means that we're very much mission-driven. Um, our purpose as a company is to benefit society and our habitat and uh, really to help take our industry um, into a realm of fixing things, so striving for impact that's uh, well beyond zero impact, let's say, but really shooting for beneficial impact. So we want to be in service to our earth and to society with the industry that we build. Great. Could you please explain us what you are doing exactly? So we are a materials science company, um, heavily focused on R&D and, and systems development for the fashion industry. Uh, we have three technology platforms, um, and I can break those down for you now if you'd like. Uh, the first is TextLoop, which is our textile recycling platform. Uh, this is uh, a very comprehensive platform handling synthetics, cottons, and blended fabrics, um, and using the resulting fibers very strategically into different yarn and fabric and product formations uh, to get the highest value with the least amount of energy applied. Um, we call this philosophy lightest touch, meaning we look to apply the least amount of, of energy, chemicals, water in processes, and to retain the most embedded energy from those original materials and carry it back through to the next product. Uh, in this way, we're, we're preserving uh, the most we possibly can into that next life cycle. So the next is uh, AgriLoop. And AgriLoop is really our most future state technology. While we're already uh, commercializing TextLoop at a high level with major global brands, uh, the AgriLoop is coming in 2020 with its first launch partners and in 2021 with some very big launch partners. And this is a closed-loop biorefinery. It's been called a, a regenerative system or a circular technology And that's um, a really unique description for any industrial process, I think. Um, what we're doing is actually creating cottonized fiber that's ready to go into any traditional spinning system using leftover biomass from food crop production. So the waste that's left on the field after we harvest the food. And generally, on average, for every kilo of food we harvest, there's 1.5 kilos of biomass left. And generally, this is being burned or is left to rot in tropical climates. It's far too much to effectively compost. And this is a big problem in that it's putting a ton of climate impact into the world. Um, 
it's really a massive form of impact that people don't know about, in fact. So the burning and rotting of crops is methane, it's CO2, carbon monoxide, um, also leading to over a quarter million air pollution deaths a year. So just by removing this biomass from the field and productizing it, well, we're already drawing down carbon that would have been hitting the atmosphere and turning that carbon into products. But if you look deeper at the system's design, you see really why it's regenerative. So it's more than just making a beautiful cottonized fiber from biomass that's left over. It's actually the extraction of biochemicals that are needed to create that fiber is actually coming from the plants themselves. So we're taking the biochemistry we need to upgrade this, this biomass into beautiful fiber from the plants themselves. And this is a big departure from what happens in the industry right now. Currently, we use a chemical called sodium hydroxide, which is actually a co-product of chlorine production. So for every kilo of sodium hydroxide used in our industry for dyeing or scouring or fiber preparation, we're responsible for generating another kilo of chlorine in the world. And this is a substance we've banned from our industry a long time ago. Yet we're right there actually supporting the ongoing use of chlorine chemistry in the world by using sodium hydroxide. And what's more, when we're done processing with sodium hydroxide, it goes through wastewater treatment uh, a lot of the water <clears throat> is is actually very contaminated and, and needs to be discarded. So there's a greater loss of water. And the resulting sludge, actually, the solid wastes, is a really caustic, caustic situation that has to be disposed of carefully or it's going to cause problems in the environment. So this is this buildup of salts in the environment that's happening. So we're proposing a, a complete departure from sodium hydroxide and the use of safe biochemistry for dye processing and for fiber processing. So we're getting this chemistry from the plants. We're also getting the energy we need to run the mill from the plants themselves. And the only effluence, the only exhaust coming off of the agri-loop is actually beneficial. So surplus uh, bioenergy that can go back to the local community or to additional industry, maybe the yarn that's being spun or, or other aspects of the supply chain can be supported by that. And the biochemicals, after we reuse our wastewater and filter it out, uh, the only loss is evaporation. And the resulting sludge, the solid waste from our process, is perfect organic fertilizer that can go back to the same farms where we got the biomass. So it came from the plants, and of course it can go back to the field. And that's supporting that fertility cycle and the regeneration of our farmland and our soil. And this soil health is absolutely essential to our future as a species. So that's the AgriLoop. And this is um, probably our most disruptive technology. Uh, winner of the Global Change Award, first prize in 2018. Uh, the incredible support we got through that and the grants um, that we received have really helped propel that te technology and taken years off of the development. So now we're actually able to commercialize. And uh, here at the show, we've got a nice rack of fabrics and, and garments you can go and see made with AgriLoop biofiber that's coming from oilseed hemp. Um, and there's still one more technology. And this is actually where we put those biofibers from the AgriLoop or the recycled textile fibers from TexLoop. It's in our proprietary orbital yarn system. So Orbital is a hybrid yarn construction that's been patented and proven to eliminate a lot of the problems that happen um, 
endemic to using recycled fibers. So when we recycle textiles mechanically, which is the best way to do it in the first life cycle, we get much shorter fibers than the original fibers that were put into those yarns. So that reduction in the staple fiber length makes spinning yarns difficult, especially spinning strong yarns that are going to be durable and high quality. So what happens is we blend carrier fibers with those shorter fibers. So longer virgin fibers could be organic cotton or longer recycled fibers could be recycled poly. Um, Can help carry those shorter fibers into a yarn construction. But the problem is you start to have these fibers popping out of the yarns and the fabrics and this creates pilling the little balls all over your t-shirt. This creates neps and there's strength issues with these yarns. You can't run the machines as fast. So there's a loss of productivity. Um, All of this is really has been a big challenge for popularizing recycled textiles in our industry. And in fact, a lot of these materials can't meet the quality parameters of the big brands and so have been blocked. So Orbital is a new system for spinning yarns that allows us to effectively harness these short fibers inside the yarn and retain them inside the yarn. And what does that mean? It means beautiful, smooth, high-performance, high-quality fabrics with no pilling, no neps, higher strength than virgin, and actually natural performance. Um, Through the construction of the yarn, we're getting sports performance, um, wicking and and fast-dry moisture management, it's called, uh, that exceeds the, the performance of Nike Dry Fit or Adidas Climacool, for example. So with no chemical finishing, our orbital yarns, even with uh, 70% organic and recycled cotton in the mix, they're absorbing uh, the moisture from our body faster and letting it dispel and evaporate just as quickly as the leading you know, 100% polyester, chemically saturated uh, you know, very toxic materials that we use for sports performance today. <clears throat> the interesting thing is this performance never washes out of the orbital fabrics where with a, a sports performance fabric like, like dry fit after 40 washes, you've seen most of the effectiveness go away. Yeah. So it's a, it's a much better opportunity for that. But the biggest thing um, people uh, tend to respond to right now, because it's a huge topic is um, the patented reduction in microfiber shedding. So these yarns are actually holding the small fibers inside the fabrics, preventing them from releasing in the wash and in in the laundry and getting into our environment and our oceans. And this is a massive problem that we've been really focused on as an industry, but we've been focused on how do we test for it? How do we measure it? How big is the problem? Where are the solutions is what we were asking. And so we worked on it for the last couple of years. And uh, right now we have this in third-party validation with Hohenstein Institute. And we expect uh, some really positive results in the next week or so that will be published. Um, and it's, it's a game changer to be able to prevent the release of this microfiber, especially from recycled textiles. So that's Orbital. Yeah. Why did you decide to, to go into this industry and to tackle this problem, you personally? Mm. Well, I started um, in this industry over 25 years ago, um, actually as an athlete uh, in the action sports space. So as a young surfer, skater, snowboarder, I was exposed to fashion um, as a team rider for surf brands in, in Southern California. 
And this was, you know, in the early 90s. So we were still designing things, drawing on paper with our hands. And uh, there was no production in China. Um, so it was very hands-on and local. And you could really see what was happening. And for me, um, as a really artistic kid, it was fascinating. You know, watching something get designed and then come to life as a product. Wow, incredible. And as I was traveling around and going on these fun trips to ride everywhere, um, I would always go and check out the thrift stores and the weird countries we were visiting. You know, this is so long ago before the internet and before youth culture was so homogenized like now. So everywhere we would go, we'd meet different flavors of young people with totally different cultural style. And, uh, you know, so <clears throat> I remember going to the, the flea market in Barcelona and uh, at that time in the early 90s, it was rave scene in Northern Europe and everybody had fat pants and day glow and lollipops. And But Spain was just coming out of Franco era still, really, and very different scene. And people couldn't afford the new rave gear and stuff. So all the kids were actually going and shopping the uh, the flea market, which is quite famous in Barcelona now, and buying 70s retro clothing and wearing all this 70s gear. And this was you know, a good five years before that, that kind of trend hit mass. We'd never seen anything like it. It was mind blowing people in bell bottoms and crazy fur collar, pimp coats and hats. And you're like, so fun. So we got into it, grabbed some of that stuff. And I, and when I went back, you know, to see the guys at the office there, um, at a a little brand uh, that had just started up at the time called Volcom, uh, they were like, whoa, what do you got there, dude? You know, really funny. And they wound up starting to copy the things I was bringing home. And uh, I realized I had an eye for this and that I could draw as well. And so I decided I wanted to start to design stuff. And that led to starting a snowboard outerwear company with some friends, a really influential and very hardcore snowboard outerwear company in the beginning of that industry called Soup Kitchen Snowboard Clothing. And that was actually a, a social statement against the classist resort culture that in a lot of cases was trying to block snowboarding and didn't want all these scruffy skater kids coming up to the mountains, right? So we made a social statement with that business, but we also really helped define what snowboard clothing was and looked like, and that aesthetic is actually still there. Um, So Influential learned a lot, but what I really learned in that business is how toxic fashion is. And this was at a time before Reach or Prop 65, and you couldn't find a more toxic product in the world than the outerwear we were making with nylon six and uh, PVC based uh, durable uh, waterproof breathable coatings, uh, DWR durable water repellency that was fluorocarbon based. So just like literally a toxic mess. And one day I went to our little factory in Portland, Oregon, and the family that we knew and loved was there cutting all the new material we just received from Torre in Japan. And uh, the fumes coming off of it were so intense, I I felt like I was going to black out. And they were just in there working away, and it was so toxic, and I had this crazy epiphany that, yeah, I am actually really directly connected to the oil industry. This is truly toxic. This is diametrically opposed to my upbringing, raised by hippie parents, to, to my values as a human being, and I have to find another way to do this. This is definitely not good. And I started to look for other materials. This was 1996. And in 1997, I found an incredible offering. And I was at a Nike vendor show. And there was organic cotton, the first I'd ever seen. Uh, Hemp fabrics that actually looked like normal fabrics. Uh, Recycled polyester. I'd never even heard of that before. 
and I was so fascinated. Of course, the materials were super expensive, um, but I wound up finding a big project the next year, um, doing some freelance design in Italy, and got to buy all these things and try them out. And that's when I became addicted to making things the right way. And actually, that's when I met the CTO in our company today, Yitzhak Goldstein, who's really been the mad scientist behind the curtain really creating a lot of what are now the um, standard eco-materials in our industry. So that was really the journey that um, inspired me to look for something better. And, and what created Circular Systems was Yitzhak and I coming together and saying, what would happen if we stopped working in our own silos and really put our minds together with these technologies he was developing with the market and, and sort of the design sensibility I brought? Um, I think we could actually do something that would change things. And uh, we worked on it for a couple years, and in 2016, we started to take it out there and show it to people as the technologies were maturing. And uh, finally, in 2017, we formed Circular Systems and hit the ground running and got into fashion for good as the first ever technology to present there um, and went on to, you know, a bunch of really, um, I think, powerful industry engagement. Yeah. You know, right now, we're talking a lot about uh, sustainability in our industry. Um, Well, first of all, my question is, what does it mean, sustainable fashion? Um, and I'm sometimes a bit afraid of this movement. You know, everybody is talking about it. We're on PV right now. Uh, I'm afraid that, okay, everybody wants it, but actually, can we, can we supply <laughs> sustainable material to everybody? And I'm afraid that we're going to move into something a bit uh, greenwashing. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we're already there as an industry, you know, it's really misunderstood. And I hear the words sustainable fashion, and uh, I have to wonder, what kind of sustainability are we talking about? Yeah. Are we talking about the uh, BCI sustainability, where a GMO cotton product with the worst chemicals you could ever imagine being poured on the fields is a more sustainable option? Is that the sustainability we're talking about? Or are we talking about the sustainability that means you have systems that allow future generations to live on in perpetuity it's a very different thing so we've really bastardized the word sustainability as an industry um, by using it as a marketing tool and by applying it to things that are the farthest thing from sustainability like bci yeah um, and that form of greenwashing has so neutered this word that companies who lead in this space like patagonia have actually banned the use of that word in their okay. company okay. and banned the use of that word in their outward marketing communications. Okay. So how should we, how should we talk about it? We should talk, we about, should talk it. about our impacts, yeah. you know, and we should talk about moving toward regenerative impacts as the high bar, as our goal. Zero impact is not going to save us as a species. Um, it's a very good uh, milestone on the way to achieving beneficial impacts. And we need to start to, to talk about this in the industry in a new way. Um, and, you know, you can guarantee that there'll be big chemical companies out there and the same people who are behind BCI taking the word regenerative and twisting that up as well, mm. you know, around some genetically modified enzymes they want to stick into the soil at who knows what cost, right, to, to regenerate the soil artificially. Mm. <laughs> so unnecessary and so uncool, you know, so... When I hear uh, about sustainability in our industry, it is so exciting to see the momentum 
that's developing around the concept, the essential aspect of it. Um, you know, finally, it's being driven now by financial metrics, by the information coming from Boston Consulting Group and McKinsey, telling our industry it's doomed if we don't change. You know, uh, within less than 10 years, this industry will be going off of a cliff because we just can't get enough cotton. Uh, we can't get enough polyester. The dye houses are shut down because they're polluting too much, you know. So resource scarcity and regulatory pressure preventing the industry's ability to grow in line with population growth and definitely preventing the industry's ability to grow in line with our massive projections of pumping too much clothing into the world. So that's freaked out a lot of CEOs and CFOs at the top of this industry. And these guys used to be my worst enemy. They would block every project because the fabric was 10 cents more per meter or something. But now these guys are our best friends. They need solutions. Yeah. And, and we're really bringing some real solutions to the market. Great. So we are on PV today. Um, could you tell us a, a few, a few uh, material you are showing right now that are very amazing, according to you, and hmm. we should look into? Absolutely, yeah. So kind of in the same order as I described the technologies, we um, are getting a lot of love for our TextLoop recycled cotton. So we call it Arcot, much like our pet on the synthetic side. Uh, Arcot is the way we brand our, our recycled cotton offering. It's a really unique offering because it's ring-spun recycled cotton, which means it's a softer, stronger, higher-quality yarn than the other open-end offerings. Um, we offer a 50% GRS-certified recycled cotton plus 50% GOTS-certified organic uh, ring-spun collection that goes all the way up to 40 singles English count, which is a very fine yarn that's going to make those really sheer t-shirts or a, a nice fine men's shirt. Um, and so that's, that's really the only system in the world um, capable of producing uh, a 40 singles ring spun recycled cotton product. So that is getting a lot of love. It's very clean and consistent and, you know, an easy plug and play opportunity to stick right into your cotton program mm -hmm. and knock out your conventional or even take out your organic with something even lower impact and stretch those organic resources farther. Um, is so it, is it expensive? Is it much more expensive than conventional? Uh, we're, we're probably looking at about 30% more expensive than a conventional cotton, mm -hmm. uh, 20% more than a, a BCI. Okay. Um, and kind of in line with the more premium organic cotton pricing. Mm -hmm. um, but it's such a unique, high-quality offering with a, an impact that's lower even than organic. Yeah and absolutely certified. So we see a lot of brands stepping up and really in love with that quality. Even, even luxury brands are choosing it, uh, which is a totally new thing. And um, then with uh, AgriLoop, we are showing uh, some of our first commercial fabrics here at Premier Vision. This is really the commercial coming out party for the AgriLoop. Uh, we've got some exclusive launch partnerships already set up for 2020 and 2021. Uh, but we're beginning to add to that group of launch partners now. And there's some, some really beautiful uh, textile designs down there made from oilseed hemp uh, harvested in Canada, a lot of organic crops. Um, so this is the food crop hemp. And we're using uh, those residues from the food crop hemp to make these biofibers. And so this has really never been done before. Um, the oilseed hemp residues are usually used to you know, kind of down cycle into concrete filler or other building materials or animal bedding. 
Um, but in fact, you know, you can still get those products from the core of the plant, but the fiber should not be wasted. And with our AgriLoop system, we're able to derive beautiful cottonized fiber, even from these fully lignified oilseed crops, um, which is a, a very new thing. It was considered impossible before. And uh, so that's, that's there. And then uh, with Orbital, we've got a range of sports performance and, and casual fabrics. It's just really game-changing, um, sort of showing off some of the highest performance and lowest impact yarns in the market. And in terms of uh, minimum quantities, are you working only with very big quantity, very, very big company, or are you, you, are, you are open to work with small companies as well? Yeah, we are focused on working with the biggest companies. You know, we could say the worst offenders in the industry is really where we want to attack because that's how we can move the needle for sustainability. So a lot of our focus is there, but we also want to make sure that the young designers and the really cool brands are able to access these materials, you know, in the, the volumes of hundreds of meters rather than hundreds of thousands or something. So we um, actually have a strategy of, of positioning our raw materials, the yarns with weavers and knitters who are quite flexible in Portugal and Los Angeles. Yeah. And we drive the smaller brands and the young designers there to those mills mm -hmm. where they can buy a couple hundred meters at a time. Um, Well, in the Asia supply chains and in the bigger productions in Portugal and the U.S., um, you know, the big brands can do their huge volume. Great. Okay. Uh, how can the fashion industry accelerate its sustainable revolution, according mm. to you? Well, this is uh, a revolution that really requires a resolution as an industry yeah. um, for this to, to be accelerated we have to resolve to be fully committed to this change as an industry. And that means all stakeholders at all levels working together in cooperation. This is a big word in the space right now. And it's, it's not a cliche, no. right? We have to cooperate and have a very clear vision of where we're heading for this to be possible to accelerate. And then what it's going to take to accelerate it is capital. And, and this word cooperation again, mm. and even coopetition Uh, between the, the brands and the manufacturers who've forever kept everything secret from one another and done battle in the marketplace. We need them to work together to push these new raw materials and these new systems, these new processes to the top of, of scale and accessibility and low cost. Um, and it's really only going to happen through that collaborative effort and through um, producer responsibility. The brands actually have to step up in this time and assist the supply chains financially and otherwise to organize for their needs yeah. and for the reduction and ultimately for the beneficial impacts to happen. Without the brands taking responsibility and helping the supply chains get this done, it's going to take too long. Yeah. But is it happening right now? Is Nike and Adidas is, are talking together? Is Caring and LVMH are talking together? Yes. Yes, they are? Yeah, the good news is the industry is collaborating at a high level. Yeah. We'll see what kind of action actually results. But there are some amazing organizations coming together, like the Apparel Impact Institute, launched by Lewis Perkins, uh, where he's brought together some of the biggest brands in the space to start with supply chain improvements in, in Asia. And uh, it's, it's got a very good roadmap ahead of it of supply chain improvement and measuring uh, the results there and continuing to expand on that with best practices and new technology. So that's the beginnings of the right thing happening. But that needs to be much bigger and much more supported. Mm. And, uh, you know, frankly, 
a lot of these really big brands, they really control entire factories and supply chains, you know, dominating them with their volume. And in, in those cases, they really need to get inside there and work with the factory owners and co-invest on the upgrades and the retrofitting that needs to happen for things to get made better. They need to be investing in the early stage technologies and really propelling them. Um, and, and you see this starting to happen with um, accelerators like Fashion for Good, you know, incredible work by the CNA Foundation. Um, the vision for putting that together, I think, was brilliant. And that's another place where the industry is coming together and collaborating to push forward new things. Mm-hmm. So these kinds of concepts need to be optimized and the accelerators need to be accelerated. Yeah. But ultimately, it comes down to the brands who control the space and make all the money and pump too much stuff into the market. They need to be responsible for turning this system circular and ultimately regenerative. Yeah. What are your biggest challenges for the next years? Over the next years, uh, scaling. Mm. Scaling as fast as humanly possible. To, to meet the absolutely massive volumes that are required. If we're going to really change things, if we're really going to move the needle, we need to be thinking in hundreds of millions of meters, not hundreds of thousands. We need to be thinking about what does the supply chain need to serve Nike, Adidas, H&M, Inditex, Primark, Walmart, Target, Carrefour. You know, wow, that's a lot of volume, mm. you know? Um, so scaling and getting that financial support to scale and the synergies that need to happen between supply chains, brands, technologies, pushing that as fast as we possibly can, you know, back to the previous question, those are the biggest challenges yeah. in the coming moment. Um, yeah, really essential. Okay. Let's move to the quick rapid fire question answers. Um, what do you want to close the door to in our industry? waste where do you look at to get inspired nature yeah what is the last piece of clothes you bought vintage uh, dress pants at a thrift shop in Santa Barbara <laughs> who is the personality you would like to listen to in this podcast Bill McDonough all right thank you so much Isaac um Have a good uh, have a good fair at Première Vision and uh, and good luck for the future. An honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you for doing what you're doing and spreading this message. Thank you so much. Bye bye. All right. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast till the end. If you want to support this initiative, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you follow. Just click on the subscribe button, rate it five stars, and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to share the podcast on your favorite social media. Thank you for listening to Smart Creation, the podcast, an invitation to explore the potential of sustainable fashion.